Congratulations, you found it. This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Featuring Martha Steele, radio personality extraordinaire and queen of the volunteer librarians. Nicole Shaded, sports animal wrangler, shield maiden, and book warrior. And Vonnie Golden, healthcare billing diva, volunteer librarian, and book goddess. Together, slaying the dragons, catching serial killers, exploring history, space-time, and alternative realities. Searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. Okay, well, we're supposed to have severe weather today. So if you hear this little bleeping sound coming from my phone later, that means we have to scamper down into the stairwell (laughs) and hide because the sixth floor is going to get sheared off first. It was 43 degrees earlier and it was 75 when I was coming in. So, I mean, that's a massive... Pull your mic closer. That's a massive difference in temperature. She's awful bossy today, isn't she? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, we Dylan warmed her up for us. I just don't like it right up in my face. It's like, I don't know. I feel like I should make out with it or something. <laughs> hey there, microphone. How you doing? <laughs> it's awfully close to my face. My mama always said bossy is as bossy does, which is why she called me Lucy. Lucy Loudmouth. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that. Yes, you have. That's why we named my car Lucy. Lucy Loudmouth, your car is not loud. No, but... bossy? Does it tell you what to do? It does speak to me, yes. It's got a one of those... Oil change. Yeah. No. GPS? It, yes. Does it Turn beep at you? right at the next... Actually, I really don't like the voice of my new GPS. I always she mute them. smarmy. Can you imagine recording that? Yeah, How but tedious she would like, that you be, can though. change the voice on it, and you can pick their accents, too. I always get the British guy if I am going to listen to it. Man, if I it. could change mine to a British accent, I'd change her name to something else. I don't like the smarmy old bag that does the one that's in there right now. <laughs> they have Aussie ones, She too. sounds like she's she putting yeah. on a radio voice. I hate that. There's a lady in my office that she changed her Siri voice on her phone, and it's a British guy, but <gasps> she still calls it Siri, and she calls it a she She's talking to me, and then like this British guy talks back to her, and I'm like, that doesn't match. <laughs> you got to start saying he or rename. Somebody's gonna it have to show me how to do that in this car because it's a new car, and I don't know how, what, what to, how to do that. The thing that irritates me the most about new cars is like them yelling at you for not putting on your seatbelt. If you started the car but you haven't actually left it yet, bleeps. and you're kind of organizing yeah, your bleeps. stuff, and it's yelling at you, and I'm like, listen, car, I know what I'm doing. You shut your mouth. <laughs> I know. I yell at my I'm car. I'm in charge all the here. Time. You shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> you're just a machine. You don't understand life. Pretty much. <laughs> and I talk back to my car when it says because, like, if I put a flat of water in my passenger seat, it thinks it's a person mm-hmm. sitting there, and it'll beep at me for yes. the passenger right. to put the seatbelt. And so I'll yell at my car. There's no one else in the car with me. Shut up. But it doesn't listen. No, nope. <laughs> our smart cars are not quite smart enough yet. I don't appreciate them. <laughs> Just bossy cars. Like I said, bossy is the buzzword of the day. I guess so. So we we, we had to postpone our <clears throat> taping of this podcast for several bizarre reasons, all of which don't really matter at this point. But Nicole is not with us today, in case you didn't notice. And the funny part is, is that I re- had to reschedule this so many times. I walk in the door and Nicole's here. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? She goes, well, I had a Thunder game. Remember, I told you I'd be here at 3 o'clock on Sunday. And I'm like, well, I already got a sub. Oops. Yeah. But that's okay because she wasn't ready anyway because she didn't think she was going to have to. Well, she's doing some radio stuff anyway. She is. She's actually working for a living this afternoon. 
What's so, that like? I don't know. Weird. I've never worked for a living. Well, that's not true. I have worked. It's been a few years for yeah, me. Yeah, it's been since I was 18 that I did an actual job. Yeah, once I got into radio, I just quit working. <laughs> yeah. Real work. That's why anyways. you can't go back to doing a real job yeah. after you do this job. That's it's a like fact. you screw off, make inappropriate con- uh, comments, and play music really loud, and they pay you for it. Yeah, and you get to go to concerts for free and meet famous people and... Who are usually assholes, by the way. Most of the time. Most of the time. I had a couple at my house the other night after a concert, and we were, we were just chilling. It was cool. Really? Uh-huh. Every now and then you get to some get really laid? cool people. No, it was two dudes, so oh. thank God. For oh. That would um, have been weird. Yeah, yeah. really well, weird. Yeah. I might have high-fived you. <laughs> I probably would have. I'm going to be honest. I probably would have been a little ashamed of myself. So, <laughs> You'll yeah. recognize Josh He's blaming on the alcohol. <laughs> Kelly Talent, both former guests of this podcast <laughs> and favorite guests at this point. <laughs> All right. So we, we booked this week. Anybody? Everybody? I did. Yes. Mm-hmm. And who wants to go first? Well, I guess I'll hop in there. Um, I read one of my favorite authors, John Grisham. Uh, this is The Racketeer. And there's a reason that so many of his books are turned into movies. There's definitely a reason because he paints a picture so vividly in his explanation of his characters. And often there's you know, dozens of characters throughout the book. So that could get confusing. But thankfully, he's so descriptive about them that you know exactly where they fall in. And something that I really appreciate about it is when he introduces a new character he kind of goes into their background a little bit, to, so it explains their psyche. So if you have, I don't know, some character who's supposed to be kind of brash and blah, 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 he'll explain, you know, he grew up here with parents like this, went to this school, expects this much of himself, and blah, blah, blah. So you kind of, you have like this mental picture of like how this guy walks and talks and I really, really, really appreciate his detail with everything. And even just down to like the physical scene when he like explain something he'll he'll explain it down to the cup of coffee on the table you know Hmm. and so you get this perfect mental image um i think honestly reading john grisham has helped me with radio because he's so good with the theater of the mind with using just words to craft an entire picture in your head i went to a writing class one time where she was talking about how to do a description and it was like well if you're going to describe a person don't tell me that that person is fat talk about how when they sat on the chair um, the legs went sideways and it nearly right. collapsed. You know, use the environment around you to describe the person as opposed to coming right out and saying he had black hair and right black eyes or whatever. You know, show that another way. And he does a really good job of that, including, I mean, when he talks about their expressions, you know, talks about beady eyes set back in a, you know, chubby face um, covered with sweat from the exertion of walking up the steps to meet so-and-so, you know. See, that's a good example of it. Yeah, perfect. But um, this particular story, I mean, as with all of John Grisham's, well, not all of, he's written a lot of them that are not about law, but this one is, this particular one is. um, It's a little bit different perspective and less in the courtroom than some of his other books are. But basically, a federal judge has been murdered. He was found in his cabin in the woods with his very young secretary. Oh, gee, big surprise there. Yes. So, and of course, it was not his wife. Um, so he's been murdered. There's no sign of forced entry. Blah blah blah. Well, this is Judge Raymond Fawcett, is she the character. Dead too? Yes, they're okay. both dead. So they both been Are murdered. They no. Good question. No, they were not. And also, um, there was a huge safe that had been emptied in this cabin in the woods. Mm. 
So obviously this screams espionage or something like that, some sort of setup, whatever. It's like a, it's kind of a mystery, but then again, not really. And that's, there's a ton of twists and turns in this book. And every time that I think that he's foreshadowed something, one aspect of that will be true and all the rest of it just totally threw me for a loop and I had no idea that was coming in any way, shape or form. So that was really cool because it definitely keeps you turning the pages quickly. All of his books have been that way for me and this one was no exception to that rule. So there is one man, a former attorney, who has ended up in prison for something that he didn't do. Um, basically, he got involved in a, a government cover-up and he was the fall man for it. So he's in prison. Well, he knows who murdered the federal judge. Mm. So he uses this as his bargaining chip to get out of his prison sentence and be put into witness protection. And obviously they have to follow up on the lead before they are willing to completely let him go and wipe all of you know his criminal record clean and give him money and a new identity and stick him in the country that he wants to go to. So they follow up on the lead and... Sure enough, things start happening. And then, you know, then we follow his story going into witness protection and all of the many twists and turns along the way until we finally find out who it really was. Because they don't tell you. He doesn't tell you that. You never find out. Like, he gives them the information, but you're reading it not knowing what has been said. And that they're following up on this lead. You have an idea. Like, they give him or he gives them the first person that they need to talk to to find the real person who did it. So it's all like clues. Yeah, and honestly, it's called the racketeer for a reason. You know, he's definitely working an angle here, and it's more than just getting himself out of prison. Because he wants to get back at everybody who put him in prison in the first place. Mm -hmm. Did the judge put him in prison? He he may have had something to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) Revenge is a dish best served gold. Yeah, so... This is, I mean, I recommend any book by John Grisham ever, but this one was, I guess, a little bit different just because it was more of the government conspiracy than some of the other ones have been. There's always some little bit of corruption, you know, one or two characters who are involved. This one was a much larger scale operation with a lot more, uh, I guess, depravity. So... I don't know. It was depravity. Yeah, it was kind of dark and twisty at times, but I really liked it. (laughs) I've read a few John Grisham's, mostly the early ones, like The Client. The Testament was my favorite of all time. I haven't read The Testament. Oh, that one's a really, really, really good one. It's um, Troy Phelan dies, and he wills all of his billions of dollars to an illegitimate child that no one even knew existed. And she is a missionary working in the rainforest in Brazil. So this lawyer has been sent down to give her her, you know, the last will and testament of Troy Phelan. And she doesn't want the money. She doesn't want anything to do with it. She doesn't want anything to do with her father who would never claim her. And she's angry that now all of a sudden he wants to acknowledge her once he's dead. So it's a crazy, awesome story. And of course, you know, it's taken place in Brazil in the rainforest. There's like, you know, a whole different danger element there. Jaguars and stuff. So. Yeah, John Grisham's awesome, though. I, I, I would definitely say to anyone at any time, read a John Grisham book. I'm sorry. I have to it's okay. sound effects when you leave an opening like that. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> I've actually never read a John Grisham novel. What? They're really very good. They are really yes. good. And honestly, I'm kind of impressed at how much he turns them out. And for the majority of people who like turn out hits every few months or so, it, there's a formula. You know, and it, it kind has, of follows. He does to an he, extent. He has there's a always, voice. He's a very specific voice. 
as do most writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but none of them are the same story, which is really nice. Because like, I can't say the same thing about Nora Roberts, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you, it's all the same story. That's, not, that's apples and oranges here. Well, I mean, they write about the same number of books per year. So I'm just comparing, like, they're both number one New York Times bestsellers over and over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, but hers definitely is a formula. But J.D. Robb, um, I mean, she writes under her pen name, the In Death series. Those yeah. are way better. I-, I like some things about those. They're way, uh, They're a little bit too racy for my taste. Because about... Three quarters of them is sex, which is, is fine. No, 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 no. There are less of it. They're about a quarter sex, which is why I like them more, because it's more about the uh, cop lady solving well, yeah, all of her mysteries. Well, yeah, I like her, but I mean, it's And Kate, this is the ones under Kate. the pen name? The J.D. J. J. Robb. Robb. Yeah. I, I was reading those pretty regularly until I switched to audiobooks, and then I was sitting in the doctor's office one day listening to one of those when she started describing sex with her husband. And it, those are very steamy yeah. parts. Rourke. And I found myself <laughs> getting very embarrassed just sitting there listening to his little, little gray-haired ladies in the doctor's office. And I kind of stopped. Because there are certain books that are better on audio and there are certain books that are not. Because they're uncomfortable? I mean... I just don't... I mean, if I want to get all hot and bothered, I'll do that at my house. Thank you very much. I don't want to do that in the doctor's office. Yeah, but nobody else knows what you're listening to. Yeah, but it freaks me out anyway. It's like PDA, but on the worst level. You don't know what I'm listening to. Yeah, you would do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you've never read John Grisham. You should. No. You definitely should. Maybe I'll try one. Maybe of his. try with if you don't want to do the law route. Um, a painted house is one that he wrote that was pretty amazing. Bleachers that was a really fascinating look into former football players and that how a lot of them have their glory days in high school and then want to relive them over and over and over for the rest of their lives because that's the coolest they ever were and ever will mm-hmm. be. <laughs> that was if you're from high a point small town, life. that's your yeah. life. You don't want to well, read about that if shit. If everybody in, <clears throat> if everyone's cheering for you and, you know, you've got hundreds of people screaming your name and stuff and you feel like so powerful and then they go out into the world and they're car salesmen, you know? So. <laughs> oh, thank God I was a loser in high school. <laughs> yeah, those are the people that actually become successful. <laughs> Generally speaking, that's true, actually. Yeah. I'd probably have the ne- the opposite effect mentally on those because I would not feel bad for them and peaking in high school and then becoming salesmen. Uh, I didn't because feel they bad were for mean them. in high school, so mm-hmm. maybe they need it, to be. And neither did Grisham, and you could tell that in the way they painted the story. Well, they're car salesmen, so they're supposed yeah, to be true. smarmy. They're a little swarmy, yeah. Not all is of them. I shouldn't word? say that. Smarmy. Smarmy and bossy. Those are the words Smarmy. of the day. It Have I used that more than once today? Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. It is funny that going around all these car dealerships, I've noticed that unless they're girls, they're ex-football players. Yeah. Like every time. Almost always. No, it's... it's A lot of it, times. I very, very Trust seldomly me, I know. <laughs> use absolutes. It's every time. Well, I've known sell, or car salesmen that weren't football players but a lot of them like at one point in their lives or they were some sort of athlete football player like the the bleachers one um the football coach who had coached you know generations he was a coach for like 50 years at this high school Mm -hmm. he passes away Mm -hmm. and everybody comes back to town for his funeral all of his former players show up to show their respects and each night a group of them ends up sitting in the bleachers staring at the field thinking about their coach and the first night none of them really talked to each other and the second night, 
few of them huddle in groups and sort of share memories and laugh. Is it the same ones going back each night? Yeah. And then the group keeps getting larger and larger until they're completely filling up the bleachers and wow. they're all sharing their memories and they're all kind of sharing their hurts and their anger with him for things that he did to other players. And I was going to say, what was he fiddling Back before boys? segregation uh, or integration, excuse me, when everything was still segregated, he was blatantly racist. And there's a lot of them who have resentment towards him for that because he taught them to say and do things that ended up damaging their lives pretty heavily. It's a really fascinating book. It gives you, like I said, just an interesting look into the psyche of men who peaked in high school. <laughs> that actually would be interesting. Those people, I don't want to hang out with them. And, and honestly, like, when each of them would tell their stories, there was like a rawness and a realness to their conversation that kind of makes you not feel sorry for them, but stop and think from their perspective where I never had before because I'm very... Anti the guy who peaked in high school, you know, yeah. they're usually but pretty douchey. Like I don't really. It would be interesting to, thing. to know what they're thinking on the inside with their doucheness on the outside. Yes, like they're actually all that pretty weak and insecure. And it was sad. And like man football sandwich was... over there. <laughs> it's okay. I'm on your guys' side. I'm just saying, There's like a bunch of douchebags that came out. Yeah. They were all super insecure, and football was the only thing that made them feel big. And they mm-hmm. lost that, and they don't know who they are now, you know? And it's 20 mm-hmm. years for some of them after they've played, and their football coach is just reminding them of how that was the best it, they ever had their, in their lives, you know? Mm-hmm. And they'll never have yeah. better. And it's kind of crazy. That one might be interesting. I might have to check that one out. John Grisham's pretty awesome. Because, you know, I do like to, even if it's the villain, I mean, why else well, would yeah. I read McGuire? Yes. Is that McGuire? who you read this week? No. no. But he, oh. he McGuire tells... was the one that... that that did wicked, remember? Yeah, and he does oh, like yeah, memoirs of an evil step sister. Yeah, stepsister. Confessions okay. of the Confessions. ugly stepsister. What's it? Memoir. Oh, the one who writes the, the spinoffs of them. Yeah, right. Yes. Okay, but he usually the tells like the. And then there was one called Mirror, which was about Snow White. Yeah, but he tells the villain's point of view. Yeah, and not the here, not the you know hero or whatever you want to call him. The original protagonist, right? Now, my book, if you don't mind if I go next, do you mind? Feel free. Okay. Was um, was inspired by Nicole, our missing uh, book girl. And it was by Carrie Fisher, The Best Awful. We were talking about Carrie Fisher one time, and she said that she wanted to read some of her books. And I found one at the book fair, or the library sale that we library went to. Library book sale, yeah. Yeah. And so I read it this week. And it was pretty funny. In Carrie a very Fisher's wrong like, sense. <laughs> was she bipolar? Yeah, she was. And yeah, the main takes one char- to know one. <laughs> <laughs> the main character in this is bipolar. And she makes fun of her illness a lot. I do it all the time. And it has a very, I mean, she's the daughter of a Hollywood star. So it has a very movie star quality it's to it. It's her life. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's roughly based on her life, but it's a fictional tale. I mean, it's made up characters, but I think it is a lot about her life, too. Right. But she... um, And you went, you did audio, and she reads it, right? Right. It's audio, and Carrie Fisher actually reads it to you. And it's a very short read. Nice. Like I said, she makes fun of her bipolarism and everything else, and she's just... It's just funny. It's very light. It, she makes light of serious situations. Tell, tell what you sense. said to me in the car earlier. Her very first paragraph, she says, 
that she was married to a gay guy who forgot to tell her and she forgot to notice. And that was in the very first paragraph. So she's married to this guy who's gay who leaves her for another man and um, they have a three-year-old daughter. That's how the story... And that's actually true. Huh. Is that true? In real I think life? so. Okay. So wait a minute. She is telling her story, basically. Kind of, sort of. It's fictionalized, obviously. Right. I don't know. Does she Because then you can rewrite though? the scenario with yourself in charge and you can make everybody say what you wanted them to say and you can make the situation go the way you wanted it to go. She has a daughter or not. But Maybe I I'll write this She book. was married to a gay man because I remember <laughs> hearing about that in um, an interview that I watched of her. Is it? So I, I know she was married a to a gay man. We're about to look it up. Well, see, Wikipedia oh. says that this book is a semi-autobiographical and fictionalized events from her real life. Yes, okay. That makes what it said. sense. So she, you know, is back on the dating scene and she purposely quits taking her medicine because she's funnier and more promiscuous if she's not taking her medication. But it also makes her crazier. Mm-hmm. So then she goes through all of these different, you know, crazy events in her life and and everything else and ends up in a mental hospital. And it's just about her whole little tale from the time that she gets divorced to right after she's in this mental hospital. I need to read this book. And it's pretty, like I said, it's it's short. It's, it's a light read, believe it or not, even though it's about serious stuff. And she just makes fun of everything. Well, I think the one really awesome thing about Carrie, Carrie Fisher, she was never silent about her mental illness. No. She was very forward about all of it. And I, it really helped a lot of people that she was able to come out and talk about. It destigmatizes it. And we live in a culture where mental health is something that's an issue of shame for a lot of people. And I know that when anymore. I vocalize having bipolar, that I get treated differently. And then there are times where I, I kind of feel a person out before I ever mention it. If I feel like it's not going to affect the way that they treat me and interact with me, then I'll admit it and own it you know Mm -hmm. but if it's somebody that I feel like they might lose respect I'm not going to say anything about it and they can assume all they want and if they ask me I won't lie but I'm never going to just bring it up because there are a lot of people who still have that that stigma with it you know not nearly as bad as it was no not at all because everybody's on some kind of medication these days. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> except, for, except for maybe you, Kelly. I'm I can not, actually I'm relate there. when you said that. Like, it's not necessarily that I want the, pro- the promiscuity part of it. And honestly, the older you get, the less you experience that anyway. That was a lot harder, you know, in my late teens and early 20s. But the older you get, the more you have that part under control. But I wouldn't want to be medicated because it would alter... Even the nuances in my voice, you know, it would alter the way I sound on air. It changes your personality. It, it shuts does. down a part of you. And I don't it, want it to silence your any creativity bit of myself. Because the creativity is, and I'm speaking from experience because I also suffer from bipolar. Mine's different. It's a different kind of bipolar, but. Bipolar one or bipolar two? I don't remember which one. I'm bipolar two ultra rapid cycling. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker. But Party. it's it, when you take a medication for something like that, it does take away pieces of your personality that you like. But it also takes away pieces of your personality that you don't like. Yeah. Which is why. She actually had a really interesting way to explain it to her daughter about her mental illness. She explained it to her daughter like a broken faucet that she said, like, um, when her bipolarism was really bad, it's like the faucet was on full blast and they couldn't shut it off because she just goes all the time real fast and won't sleep for days and days and days. 
And then, you know, when it's better, it's like the faucet's just dripping. And she uses that later on when she's in the mental hospital. And she asks her daughter, remember when we were talking about how the faucet in mommy's brain was broken? And she then that's how she explains it, which is actually really interesting. Hmm. It is an interesting way to put it. I thought it. that was interesting. I would have to say that's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> bipolar is, is extreme highs and extreme lows, which is why they call it bipolar, because mm-hmm. it's the hot and the cold to extremes, and you don't find much of a middle. Mm-hmm. Ever. And the days that you do, it's really rare, and you find yourself going... Is this what normal people feel like? <laughs> I think I would like it. Maybe. But this is so weird. I bet it would be boring, though. After, it is kind of boring. <laughs> after going full force like that for a while and then no, coming. No, it's, it's a relief. I am I have to say that I've been medicated for years and I prefer it this way because I can stand to be around myself. Oh. <laughs> there are definitely those days where it gets a little difficult. You know, I, I was lucky enough to grow up with a therapist mother. So I was informed very young and I did a lot of research and she had me read the bipolar ch- child when I was 12. And like you just keep reading as much as you possibly can. And the more knowledge you have, the more empowered you are. And there are ways to circumvent basically all of it. You know, when you feel really manic, you channel it for positive things. Exactly I usually right. use it to get extra work done or to clean my house or you know, to do something that's productive so that it's not destructive. And then when I feel like I'm depressed and I just want to stay in bed all day and I don't want to deal with the world, I have to do the exact opposite and get my happy ass up and go out with my friends <laughs> and be reminded of the beauty in the world. And you come out of it pretty quick. It's a, It ultimately is a choice. And I do believe in the mind-body link and the fact that, you know, mind over matter, you do have the power to alter your situation with positive thoughts. So that's gotten me through. Like... I think, well, Carrie Fisher obviously did come to terms with dealing with it later in her life as well, because was her mom bipolar as well? I don't know, but it does run in families, I have to say. (laughs) And it usually is passed on in over 80% of the cases, it's passed on from the mother. So yeah, well, my my mother definitely was not bipolar. Reason number 961, I won't have children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what, what do you, overall, what did you think of the book though? I liked it. I mean, I might see if I can find Postcards from an Edge, which is actually the book she wrote before this one, and read that one and see what it's like. Because I did like this book. But I liked it. I would recommend. Like I said, what was it called again? It's a short read. Yeah, The Best Awful There Is by Carrie Fisher. Fisher. And I would recommend it. Like I said, it's a a light book about heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. If you don't like joking around about that kind of stuff, then I would not read Humor this. Humor is the but best medicine. I joke around about everything, so. Told you. There we go. Sorry. There goes that tornado <laughs> mine's watch. Gonna, mine's going to go off any second. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I set mine to not give me emergency alerts anymore because I don't know if you've What's ever been woken app? up by an Amber Alert at 2 Which o'clock in the morning. Do you have? Is that oh, KOCO? I have yeah. KOCO and yeah, I also ha- I have another one too. I have that app as well. You oh, just yes, I see it. Yet. The millennials in the room are like, eh, tornado. <laughs> well, I always keep it up because I, I have it set for my mom's address, too, so I'll call her. There's a whole make sure line and of storms in Oklahoma, but they're mostly up. Uh, we had a perfect hook formation around the city there up, for a while. So mm, North and east of us right now. Is it in the oh, Bartlesville cool. area? Right into, into that area. Is, is it, it what? Is in it, Wichita, the, Kansas? The tornado see that? watch is around... The Oklahoma City area. 
Well, we're going to keep an eye on that anyway. We are going to leave our alerts on because if we have to flee for the stairwell. <laughs> you guys can die in a stairwell if you want. I'm going to dip. You're going to die on the road? If you go mm-hmm. down to the third floor and hunker in the stairwell, it's perfect. I'm okay. Um, that's a lot of concrete to be surrounded by. Mm-hmm. True. Um, I'm feeling you on that one. Yeah. I'd rather die outside. I'd rather die by being flung in my vehicle. Than it's pretty quick. Right. Right. Because that could be slow and I might not die. Yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty resilient guy. Yeah. And with my luck, I would just be stuck under all this concrete. You know, there are plenty of and people I'd be alive. who survive being in their cars in tornadoes. And I... Yes, when I was but, at UCO, I had a girl in my class tell me about the story of her and her husband and her husband's best friend in his truck driving down I-40 when that tornado hit the second the one. one. killed 11 people, yes. most of which were on I-40? Yeah, one of them was him, her, the best friend. So oh. her husband and herself did not die, but uh, had several broken bones. Um, he had a broken femur, could have died from that, obviously. Um, all the bl- the blood in whatever vein that is in your thigh. Um, she had many broken ribs, a broken clavicle, broken wrist. Um, she broke her radius and her ulna as well. So Oof. she, yeah, like it was pretty bad. But I guess they got sucked out of it, and it. One of the windows was rolled down, and something about the force of the wind blew out all the glass in it. So they were all like, had pieces of glass in them everywhere as well. Ooh, lovely. Mm. Yeah, but the friend had been driving, so. Um, the steering column when he got sucked, he, it hit him and Ugh. like crushed his chest or something. So he died almost immediately. But oh, they lovely. were thrown over sixty feet and landed from multiple feet up in the air. So okay, well enough about tornado talks. I'm freaking everybody out over here. <laughs> yeah. um, like quit it. You can survive being in the car. Is all I'm saying. That's <laughs> you just have a lot of bad stuff depressing. happening. <laughs> I don't like tornadoes. So Josh, let's talk about something else. Yeah, let's go to my book. Um, <laughs> anyways. Only slightly less depressing. Um, as long as we can avoid it, it won't be super depressing. Anyways, I read um, Friedrich Pohl's novel, uh, Midas World. Oh. And what it is, is in the beginning of the story, there's a scientist and he he devises a way to create pure, endless energy. Mm-hmm. And he gives it to the world. Good thing, sort of. Um, apparently, we have no self-control. So, right. Imagine that. That's a given. (laughs) Um, So, once we have an endless supply of energy that's completely free, we don't have to pay for it or anything, production isn't the problem in the world, consumption becomes the problem. So, the class system just kind of, it reverses. So, the poorer you are, the bigger house you're required to have, the more stuff you're required to use. And you have to just consume, 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 and you have your quota. And if you miss it, then you have to make it up and then some. And so it's just kind of a bad cycle. So you have a quota of electricity that you have to use every month? Right. And a quota of clothes that you have to wear through, food that you have to eat, drinks that you have to drink, tickets you have to go use. But do they give you all this stuff for free? Because you said like the poor. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you don't pay for it. Like Bonnie's like, I, I, please. Like, I know that that sounds like a great world. (laughs) Sort of. Until you have to do it. And then yeah, it that's you, true. You have to do it. Yeah. Then it becomes a burden. Time. Right. And um, Instead of yelling for your kids to turn the lights off, you'd be yelling right. at them to turn the lights turn on. Turn all the lights in the whole house on. And you'd do it in like a 26-room mansion yeah. that you don't like living in because you're required to live there. 
People and don't so, like, like being told what to do, basically. Right. right. And so the richer you are, the simpler life you can lead. And so the super, super rich people, they have like a four-bedroom house for two parents and three kids. So everybody has one room, they have a living room, and then they can just, they can play cards, they can do whatever they want, and they don't have, they don't have to go out and do all this other stuff. Hmm. Interesting idea. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I still don't see anything wrong with this. <laughs> Keep going. It's right. sort of bad. It gets a little I better. I want to use the energy. It gets a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, All of the energy. And granted, I haven't finished the book. And not pay the electric great bill. Great book. It's a great book. Uh, I haven't finished it yet. I've just been too busy. But I'm about halfway through. But there's a... in the first section, because he kind of writes it in sections with chapters in the sections, and they just follow different story arcs throughout... But in the first story arc, there's a fella, uh, him and his wife are pretty poor. They got a pretty high quota that they have to fill. And he goes out and he gets drunk one night, comes home and forgets that he does it. But he tells his robots to start using the shit for him. Like, so they're wearing out his clothes. They're banging out his golf clubs, eating all the food 24 hours of the day. The robots? Yes. Wow. Um, so he's he's awesome. You know, he's living life, and he looks great to the commission's board. And so he gets a promotion. They get a smaller house. He has to he has to <laughs> use less. So bizarre. I know. <laughs> it's awesome. Totally reverse. Um, and then, but he forgets that he does that. And so it's not until a week later, after his boss is commending him, he gets a letter from the commission's board. They're like, hey. You're doing great. Keep it up. He goes down to his basement where humans don't go because it's just their robots that live there. And they just go there to recharge and connect with a central computer. He goes down there and sees that all of it's happening. And he's worried. He's like, what the hell? What did I do? Um, But then the commissions board, they contact him a little later. They're like, yeah, we obviously knew what you were doing because robots all have cameras in their eyes we could physically see what you were doing well, then why did they give him a promotion oh well because he did good and sense. and they Maybe adopt that system and oh. so the robots are manufacturing but they're also consuming the excess waste and then the humans are kind of caught in the middle and they can start leading simpler lives bizarre i mean you would that think that they bizarre. could just produce less but yeah <laughs> but then, where would your plot be? It's a be? sci-fi book, so. <laughs> well, maybe like you know. the endless, en- the endless energy doesn't have a turnoff. Right, that, right. You know? so it would, it may explode if it gets too much. Right, implode if it, yeah. Hmm. It's crazy. But yes, uh, it's a very neat. What take, was it called? Midas uh, what? Midas world. Midas world. Yes. Hmm. I mean, yeah. Never-ending energy would be the golden touch. So, yeah. Yeah. well, that book that I read, uh, all are wrong today's had a similar idea where there was a, a machine that uh, got turned on that provided free energy for everyone in the world it, but it didn't have that kind of a negative effect it just freed people up mm-hmm. to do and, and and it actually ended in a utopia type world that's cool um but then of course he goes back in time screws it all up oh, so. naturally yeah. mm-hmm. damn time machines no Always the damn time machines. But it's funny. This is kind of a cool premise I've seen in a couple other books. There was one I saw. I forget the name of it. But their endless energy kind of just sucked the energy from a different universe. And so they were kind of just screwing over another universe to give themselves (laughs) 
endless energy. Now that sounds like something that humans would do. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it though? Right. Yeah. It's like wishing for a bunch of stuff and then finding out that the stuff that you wished for came from somebody else's pocket right. or you know robbed yeah. banks from some somewhere else that all the the stuff that you're taking actually belong to someone else. Right. Yeah. But uh, it's a very good book. Um, probably give it a four because I haven't finished it. I don't really want to give it a five. You can't give it a five until you... I mean, the ending might totally suck. You're going to have true. to check in with us later. Granted, so. it is Friedrich Pohl, and he's a fantastic writer. Yeah. I've read a bunch of his other books. But, yeah. Speaking so, of checking in, the last time that I was a guest on your show, I talked about Librio Mancer. Yes. The Ex Magic Libris book yes. one. Yes. I finally finished it. Don't read it. You didn't like it? <laughs> I mean, the, the premise itself is really good, but it just gets too scattered. I mean, it seems like... He doesn't have like a clear storyline. Jim Roth was author. Doesn't have a clear storyline. Like it kept, I don't know, deviating off. There are all these little like side stories, and maybe they're going to be followed up in book two and three. But I was so confused by the end of it mm. that I didn't even want to go mm. on with the series. So I take back my recommendation for that book. <laughs> well, now I all the people it. that read it are like, "Dad, damn it, Kelly!" I mean, pretty much it was bad. Don't don't do it. <laughs> It could have been good. The premise was good. Have you learned anything from this experience now, Miss Kelly? Uh, Don't assume that just because it's about the magic of books that it will be good. (laughs) (laughs) Don't recommend a book till you finish it? Yeah, that too. (laughs) Josh, are you feeling any pain on this one? No, I feel pretty safe with it. <laughs> Frederick Paul is, is, has a good reputation. Mm-hmm. He really does. Yeah, and I've read several of his other books, and I loved them all. First one I read of his was The Cool War. And that was kind of cool. It was like an espionage book uh, mm-hmm. in like, I think it was set in like late 60s, maybe mid 60s. Hmm. But it was pretty neat. Cool. That's just a random. All right. So give us the, the title and artist again. Uh, Midas World by Friedrich Pohl. That's Pohl. P-O-H-L. 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 Yes. Okay. I love you said title and artist because you're so used to music. <laughs> it says artist <laughs> instead of author. Hey, he is an artist. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I agree. I just think it's funny. I can't. I can't. Make my brain do do that transition. No, no I understand. It's That's hard to do when people. you're crossing mediums like yes. that. So I guess it's my turn now. Yes. Y'all. All Save right. The best for last. All right. The book that I read, actually, I read this a while ago, and I've been hanging on to it for the, for the perfect moment. And now that I've got both Kelly and Josh here, they're my perfect audience. <laughs> now I'm nervous. <laughs> okay. Because it must be got, sci-fi. It, it has overtones <laughs> of. Um, 1984, Ooh, nice. and some other similar books, and it, it also has a sci-fi uh, slant to it. It's called The Circle by Dave Dave Eggers, and it's it's I about. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it's it's. I bet I have. It's really. If you t- if you took Facebook and um, Google and you combined them. Hmm. Oh, is this the one that you were telling me about? Yeah, I actually read this uh, a few weeks, uh, several weeks ago, but it it totally freaked me out. It's about privacy and about technology. And the lack thereof with the two. Yeah, that's exactly right. the, The main character, what is her name? Hold on. May. The main character's name is May, and she is working in a terrible job that she hates. And <clears throat> this friend of hers that she went to school c- with calls her up and says, hey, 
there's a job available at this place I work. And this is like getting a call from somebody who works at Google. The Circle is that kind of a place. Right on the edge of technology and a super impressive workplace and everybody wants to work there. So she is pretty impressed and decides to go to work there. So she's, she's pretty excited about the job. So she goes in and they know everything about her, of course, you know, because it's one of those places. And when she does her intake, they tell her all of these things that she's required to do. Well, they require her to comment and like on everybody's stuff. And she has to be so involved in it that in the, I started to get anxiety just of the first beginning of it because they're like, well, we noticed like her second day. Well, we noticed that you didn't um, like or um, comment on anybody's stuff. And is it that you don't like us? Do they have to do it to the point yeah. like that it's just uncomfortable? Yes. I mean, it's. I, I had major anxiety reading this book because huh. it's like all of the stuff they're required to do, it completely erases your downtime. I mean, you, you, have to, you, you have to be online every moment. Do they even have time to do work or is that their work? That's their work. Ugh. It's constant. Ugh. And they have, they're all required to be a part of all these groups. Like they went through her picture. They, when she went to work there, they took her phone and gave her a new one. And they took all of this information that was in her phone, all of her pictures and everything like that. And it scans her pictures for where they, where the pictures were taken. And she had taken this trip to Portugal years ago. And then she gets called into the office the next week. And they're like, well, and there's this guy in there. And he's like, has really hurt his feelings. And she's like, what did I do? And her boss is like, well, we think you know what you did. And she is all freaked out. And it turns out that she was invited to this Portugal group thing that she didn't even know she was supposed to be a part of because she'd been to Portugal and pictures were on her phone. And he had had this brunch and invited her. But, you know, all of the, just the mass of information that she was supposed to pay attention to was so much that it just, I wanted to hyperventilate. I feel like I would excel at the circle. Well, I would not. I would get fired. It, it was interesting quick. because you standing on the outside right away. The first thing I thought thought of is, oh, my God, this is a freaking cult because <laughs> it really yeah. felt that way. It felt mm-hmm. so much like a cult. Right. That that their whole they're they're encouraged to do everything on the campus. They want them to live there. They want them to socialize there. They want them basically if you do anything that you're not connected and if you go someplace like she used to like to kayak so she goes out and she kayaks by herself and she doesn't take any pictures and she doesn't upgrade you know her thing while she's out there she just takes some downtime and she gets in trouble because she didn't she didn't text about it she didn't tweet about it or actually they call them something else in the um there are different facets of the company or whatever right and she gets hollered at for for going home to visit her parents and not checking in or doing any of her stuff. Well, her her father has some, I want to say muscular dystrophy or something like that. 
and he's losing his insurance and she's all stressed out about it. And so she she goes back and she mentions, you know, well, this is why I was visiting because of all these issues. And they're like, well, let's get him on the insurance. So then they get the parents on the insurance. Well, then they want the parents to participate in all this stuff. And it, it, like I said, it made me feel anxious just reading about it because it was more and more and more and more and more intrusive. And pretty soon she starts to kind of buy into it. And at one point they call her up on the stage and they're like, yes, this is our newest person. And they're introducing her and they're praising her for all of this, you know, because she's basically losing sleep trying to do all this, you know, she'd outdo it, outdo it, outdo it. And during this time period, they're, they have these cameras called the Sea Change, and they're little cameras that people can put up everywhere. They're really super cheap, but they're connected. So they start connecting everything. And one of the guys at the company decides that he's going to wear it full time. And he puts it on a chain around his neck and becomes live 24 hours. And they call her up on the stage and they're like, we want you to do it. So she's standing up there, you know, and pretty soon before she knows it, she's in this. Ugh. And then she she gets to the point where she comes up with these three things. And I don't remember if it was, I think it was like while she was standing there. And the guy's like, well, you know, if you think about it, privacy is a selfishness. And she goes, yeah, privacy is theft. Secrets are lies. Caring is sharing. And these become like slogans for the company. And it's like super ultra ominous. But on, then on the on the flip side, this, this dude that works there kind of on the fly meets up with her like before she gets super famous into this and she sleeps with him and there, but she can never find him. He's like, and for not to be able to find somebody at the circle is pretty rare because everybody knows everybody. So is he like super high up? Well, we find out. Huh. That of course there is somebody who's sane on the inside. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, it, it, it took my breath away to see the way it progressed. And, and I was obsessed with it for a little while after I finished reading it. It was really... I feel like the author must have done social media management at some point in their lives. <laughs> Seriously, or they have some kind of phobia about Big Brother, social mm-hmm. media, about, you know, they, well, it is very demanding. And if you, I mean, I don't know, I did it for a concert venue in Oklahoma City for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was very demanding. And people are messaging the page constantly, and you have to reply, mm-hmm. and you have to get these photos up right away, and you have to do this. And when you're out there, you have to be live streaming, or you have to be posting photos, or you have to be live tweeting the concert. Like, I missed half the shows because I was so busy handling the social media side of it. I spent my the entire show, like, with my head down. The only time I actually viewed it was when it was through the camera lens. So I can kind of relate to some of that. This is, again, why I said I would probably super thrive at the circle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you what, it was, I actually read it because it was on one of the lists Mm -hmm. of one of the best books of the year, I think. Something something like that. Um, It sounds, it sounds interesting. It was Especially with our whole social world that we have now. It's kind of a perverse world. (laughs) Everyone is connected to everyone else. Think about all of the people that you talk to on Facebook or 
or I don't know, anybody Twitter that you even have like that that yeah. you wouldn't talk to otherwise. Have you heard that you went to school with thirty years ago? Right. Not you guys thirty years ago because you probably weren't alive thirty years ago. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have some friends that are twenty-two year friendships, so I yeah. I can relate to that. But uh, like you know, I have friends that. It, I'm friends with on social media that I haven't seen in over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Have I you heard that thing that they say, like sociologists say that you're the group of people that you used to be in contact with was usually less than 30 people mm-hmm. on a regular basis, yep. right? And um, of those, about eight of them are really close. And that's about all that you can maintain for a social circle and still be um, mentally well, right? Mm-hmm. And emotionally stable. Well, that circle has increased tenfold with the progression really of social media so people are now having like 120 in their circle and like 600 in their big circle but about 120 in their regular contacts people that you talk to every single day yeah. and it's it's no wonder that we're all exhausted all the time I mean you're trying to please 120 people you're being pulled right. in a million different directions or make sure that if they send you a message on you know on Facebook social or media, whatever you have to answer right away that you answer them back and it's just sometimes it gets a little, it does get a little. I deleted my threads recently on Facebook and it was only from the last six months and I had over 194 messages. Jesus. Wow. I've 194 mine, different so people. All mine are still there. You're going to have to show me how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty <clears throat> pretty um, time consuming actually because you have to delete each individual conversation. You can't check Ooh. multiple and delete them all off oh, at once. I actually, on my, um, on my Facebook page, I have a rule for myself that if I do not know them in person, I won't accept their friend request. I'm the same way, but it doesn't stop them from messaging me. Well, <laughs> you don't see the messages, though, right away if they're not your friend on Facebook. Well, I'm on Facebook for my job every morning. Well, so I was my messenger with, pops yeah, up and still radio, says, that so-and-so has sent you a message request. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you it's do it for your job like we do, we sort of have to stay connected. The circle. Yeah. yeah. It, well, that's not as I did, re- as I did really poorly at that when I was on air. Yeah. In fact, I don't think I ever logged into my Twitter once I made it. Yeah. Pretty sure that's the thing I excel at the most. With I'm not very good at Twitter yeah. because I'm too wordy. I don't do Twitter. Uh... I, can't ever, I can't ever do it in 42 characters. I'm not good at Twitter because I always bash people that I probably shouldn't like the president. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's been a good like two, maybe two and a half years since I've made a Facebook post. Hashtag troll Trump. Yeah, we Sorry. know. Thanks a lot for sharing our podcast, <laughs> <Sorry>. ass. <laughs> I share your podcast. Sometimes I'm I forget not to do good it. Till... I just don't. I don't Later. do it, you know? I don't understand how everybody d- does it. Facebook? Spend so much damn time on it. Well, yes. here, here's the, here's the thing, understand. is that Josh actually reads, and that's yeah. why he feels this way, because he's doing something else. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people who spend so much of their time, I'm not talking about I'm really like, I, I read. Yeah, yeah well, half the reason well, that's why I get do. on social media, to find <laughs> news articles do. I never would have looked at. All of us read. <laughs> but when you read, you have to let something else go. What are you letting go? For me, I don't watch as much television as I used to. I don't go outside as much. And I don't listen to as much music as I used to because I listen to music all day long at my job. Me too. So I can very happily let go of that and listen to books in my car. And when I get at home, I don't really enjoy listening to music as I'm much as I I'm the exact same way. It's funny that you say that because I have friends and my girlfriend always remarks on that. You never listen to music. You hashtag music is life all the time, but you barely listen to music unless you're in the car. And I'm like, yeah, because I listened to it for seven hours at work today. Like, I'm and done. You can I got walk my down music the hallway in. And, and you hear different songs from different stations. Mm. So yeah. it's like you, you're inundated with music constantly. Constantly when you work in a conglomerate radio station like this. We have eight stations in the building. 
Yeah. So anyway. I listen to music. Just not so anyway. Of work. <laughs> um, this this was a very interesting book for me, in that it, it reflects the current state of things, and just slightly into the future. You can see this happening right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a near future event. I mean, you can see it happening, and it's kind of freaky. People live their life by choice online. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. You know, there are people who have cameras in their house and people watch them go about their daily lives <sighs> and that's their job. Sounds awful. To be online. People have babies Sounds while sweet. everyone <sighs> watches. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't do that much. And I wouldn't necessarily want it all over my house. Anything but... you want to look at, you can find. Well, there's some people that just want to share all that stuff with. I yeah, don't necessarily I want to show that share that much with right. people, but... There's See, I get really comfortable like when I go into a room and there's no cameras. You get like, uncomfortable or comfortable? Very comfortable. Oh. No, I know. I understand that. Well, we have and cameras really, everywhere And really, Big Brother here. took over this whole floor. Yes, he did. Uh, we have cameras everywhere, everywhere in here now. Uh, granted, I found, I think, all the blind spots. There's... <laughs> There's like seven we know on the whole Josh floor. Doing mm-hmm. them blind Thankfully, you can sit in um, one of the boss man's offices and see where all the blind spots yeah. are. And it's like, hey, thanks for doing that. You made it really easy for me. <laughs> Looks like Paul's Valley's under the gun here. What? That's pretty close, y'all. Yeah, but it's going the other direction. It's going northeast? Northeast? It's going, yeah. Tight, right towards Shawnee. Yeah. Uh, hold on. It's good stuff. Good thing I moved into a house with a storm shelter. Is that where you live is, Shawnee? Uh-huh. Oh, goodness. That's a long drive. Actually, yeah, no, it's going just it. a little bit. Further. It might hit Shawnee. Yeah. That's cool. We have to live our lives, our lives looking at the radar. If you live in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you have to and pay attention. And not just during tornado season. Like, you pay attention to the weather radar, too. Yeah, all you the do. Time. I check. All the time. I, I was so happy. I was. I helped my grandparents clean out their house, and I found this old 70s indoor-outdoor thermometer. Uh-huh. Where it's led to by like a copper wire yeah. that just hangs out the window yeah. and has a little sensor. Uh-huh. It's awesome. It's been life changing <laughs> um, because I can just actually see the temperature outside before I go outside. Nice. Yeah. Very unbelievably helpful. Well, there you go. We, you we have all become very weather obsessed, and there's a good reason why because if your house is going to get ripped off, it's. Oh, that's. You know, you kind of like to know. Foundation. Yeah. 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 And also, you, you need to go hide in the hole. The weather here is so unpredictable. It changes so frequently. Mm-hmm. It's like Oklahoma, weather weather is more bipolar than me. Right. <laughs> right? Seriously. Speaking of like bipolar. Way more bipolar. So maybe we should call this the bipolar episode. Right? Because right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about the weather the whole time. Oh. And, and I don't know. I guess I would, to go back to this book, I guess that it freaked me out so bad that I don't know that I would recommend it to myself were I not to like I don't know if I'd want to read it again rate it I don't know I kind of want to read it from what you're saying yeah, because it sounds I'm like a, it's a little a little dark and twisty well you know maybe it was just me audio or physical I've audio okay. she does audio now and I, I love know. when she says she read a book and like you listened to a book <laughs> I'm actually reading the one Josh gave me but it just takes me longer because I'm always you know, my inbox is always full of the stuff that I put on hold. Did you get that at the library? Yeah. Okay. I think I, I don't might rem- cheat and start doing audio I think audio it might books. be in, in the Metro Library, though. Is it the Metro Library? Yeah. Although my attention span is a lot easier when I'm actually holding the physical mm-hmm. copy of something than yeah. listening to it. So I, I don't I, know. I mean, 
I do audio the best in the car. Out of all of the places that I listen to audio books, I do best in the car because I'm I'm a captive audience. Is there like a hot the narrator car. voice lady? There might be. Um, because if there's like a hot narrator voice lady, like I'm gonna listen to that one. Carrie Fisher like actually really has a pretty good voice. She does. Yeah. Lady, just like Carrie Fisher has a very I want her to narrate voice. to me. She talks like that. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Fisher. She doesn't talk. She has like a very that. deep voice. It's not. Is it throaty? It's deep. I it's actually throaty, like that. but I don't know if it's really deep. She talks like this. Not in this book. She, she sounds like one like of the that. sisters from The Simpsons. Hey, they put the about Carrie Fisher. Fisher. I love like Carrie a Fisher. Bit. I love her too, but she does she have doesn't a smoker's talk like voice. That. Yes, she, she does. doesn't have a smoker's voice. Yes, she does. <laughs> it's a little throaty, but it's nice. I have a smoker's voice. I could use a cigarette right now. Oh gosh. See, it's not that off, Kelly. We'll go. To get back to this book again. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Megan, I'm bipolar. <laughs> it's called The Circle by well, you Dave. You get us all hopped up on caffeine right yeah, before we start Yeah, I don't know what, what I'm expect. expecting. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The start, we should be, why don't we have stock in Starbucks? What's wrong with us? We need to. So I actually just sold the, all my stock. The Circle by Dave Eggers, and I do actually, okay, I recommend it, because I'm interested to see what you guys might think of it. Maybe I was overreacting to that whole cult-like feeling that I got from it. But no, I'm I can, telling I you, dig that. it was making me paranoid. That's that's all we have for books this week. Mm-hmm. We have anything on the horizon? I have that one that I'm reading, and I'm reading an actual book. It's not an audio book. I need to finish it. But talking. I'm kind of waiting for an episode where Nicole's here because she rec- she gave me that book to read. Well, let me borrow. I don't know if she gave it to me. You're going to like the other one I gave you better, Martha. Am I? Yeah. It's... Super dope. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you guys. Oh, this is so cool. I was reading this book. I actually checked it out from the library because it had references to Oklahoma and to um, archaeology, which I love archaeology. So, and bones, the whole concept of forensic archaeology and all that stuff. I really liked uh, Kathy Reichs as well. So... When I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm going to read this. Maybe there'll be some local flair, you know, that I could share with somebody. So I read the book and it was really good. And just on a whim, I looked this girl up. Her name is Mariana Evans. And it turns out she teaches at OU. Dope. So I thought, okay, I'm going to look her up on Facebook. So I looked her up on Facebook and just on a whim, I sent her a friend request and I wrote her a message and said, you know, introduced myself and said that. Maybe she'd like to be on our podcast. And she answered, and she's going to come on the podcast. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that pretty I was awesome. totally shocked. She was so nice. And she's written like seven books. <clears throat> and I had read the most recent one. But um, going back, and I'm going to read some more of them, because she's actually going to be on the podcast in April. So I'm very, very That's confident. awesome. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. That is. <clears throat> I knew there was something I was forgetting to tell you guys. All right, kids. I think we're going to put a bow on this. Josh Lepton, thank you for joining us again mm-hmm. with your sci-fi greatness. Always glad to be here. And Ms. Kelly Talent. Thanks for having Talented me. Talented Ms. Talent. Oh, fun. I love puns. <laughs> First time you heard that? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> At least they didn't call me, call me Kelly Hasno. Ha. Ugh. That's terrible. Right? Yeah. So stupid. I heard that a lot growing up. Like, oh, look at you. You get points for originality. That's funny. I said no one ever. And that's going to do it for three Three book book girls. girls and a guy.
Well, I love it when Josh says that. He's got that deep voice. Three book girl. <laughs>